Um, I love that we have access to our reader right now at any minute. And that, that makes it so we make these small transitions all the time. I feel like I'm pivoting like weekly, sort of just a little tweak here, a little tweak there, but that saves you from writing a book that no one wants to read or that won't sell. And it's always a balance between what, what's important to me and what's important to them. Yes. It's not all what's important to me. And no. It's not all what they want to hear. Right. It's like, where, where do those two circles overlap? Mm-hmm. And that's the sweet spot that you get to focus on. Yeah. How do you find that sweet spot? How do you do that pivoting? How do you know when to pivot? What if it feels like your writing just isn't connecting with anyone? What do you do? Well, let's find out. Welcome to the Hope Writer Podcast. This is episode three of season three, how to know when to change course in your writing. So you've been writing for a while, but you feel like you're not really growing an audience, not many comments, not many subscribers, not much feedback. Should you change what you write about? How do you know? And what would you change to? You know what writing happiness is for you, writing about something you love that readers love to read, right? But how do you get there? Is it possible to learn and change course as you go? Well, let's talk about it. The Hope Writer Podcast is brought to you by Hope Writers, an online membership community for writers of hope. If you want your writing to give others hope, we want to give you hope. And just for listening to the podcast, we'd love to give you a thank you gift. Four proven tips to instantly improve your writing. It's a free four-part video series for you. Just visit hopewriters.com slash podcast to get your free writing tips. Four simple but effective ideas that'll make you a better writer. It's for you, just for listening. Go to hopewriters.com slash podcast. Your hosts on the podcast and at Hope Writers are sisters and authors Emily P. Freeman and Mike Willen-Smith, marketing and tech guru Brian Dixon, who also writes books. I'm Gary Moreland, Mike Willen and Emily's dad. My first book is out this summer. In the previous episode of the Hope Writer podcast, we help you really think through finding the perfect writing mentor. It might not be what you expect, though, and it might forever change how you think about mentoring. That's the previous episode of the Hope Writer podcast, How to Find the Perfect Writing Mentor. This episode, how to know when to change course in your writing. So you decide to write about something that interests you, and you do it for a long time, and then it's hitting you, nobody seems to care. And then all the self-doubt kicks in. That's how people feel. Like, I've been writing for a while, and it's not, like, nobody's subscribing, it's not taking off, nobody's commenting, should I write about something else? I think people do, we've talked about this on the podcast before, people chase the new topic. So the question, should I write about another topic or should I change my topic? Like I've been writing about being a mom, but maybe I should write about. Like, how do you know you're on the right course? Or are there indicators to know like, oh, this isn't working. Like when something's not working, what? Focus is something that a lot of our hope writers struggle with is writing about their whole life instead of what the reader wants to actually learn about from them. So, so then the natural sort of conclusion from that is I'll write about this one thing. And if they write about the one thing for a while and it's just not they either they're bored about it or bored of the topic or it's not really connecting with their readers, then they think, well, I'm just writing about the wrong thing and I need to now be writing about okay. something else. Yeah. I see this with like 31 days. They'll do like a series on this one thing and then they'll write about something else and then they'll write about something else and you don't really know what they're writing about. So I think that's a big question people have. It's like, am I writing about the wrong thing? Or they they make the wrong assumption though about the problem. It's not that you're writing about the wrong thing. Yeah, what's the problem? It's it's that you're not focused within the thing you're writing about. I think you can write about anything. The question, yeah, what's the, big the question? hope writer question, yes. the way it was worded, I can just tell you. How to know when it's time to change course in your writing or to pivot with your message. 
one thing that comes to mind, I, I was listening to this podcast called Making Oprah, and it's just like a three-episode podcast where they talk about making Oprah and sort of how she went from her in the 1980s to 25 years of Oprah. And like a lot of things changed over that time. Of course, she was successful through all the whole thing. But she didn't start out the same way she finished, you know. But anyway, there was one story they shared, which this might sound like it doesn't relate but I'm going to make it relate. But the the episode of when she gave away the cars and, you know, it was this big thing and all the producers were involved and they found people who actually needed cars and they had like 275-ish people in the audience who were coming and they didn't know that they were going to get a car. But the big thing was like, how do we hide the cars and how do we, you know, it's like a big deal to get so 275 cars and people don't know that they're there. So they were working the whole day. I mean, they're working all these weeks leading up to it. But then like the day before the producers and all the people were getting ready and Oprah was there till she said something like 10 o'clock that night. And she walked by the area where the cars were parked and they were putting the bows on the cars. And she said that she looked in there and the bows were too small, that the bows did not have an impact (laughs) on the car. And Mm. she went in and she said, the bows are too small. We have to redo the bows. And all the people look at her like, but we've already wrapped up half the cars. And she's like, I don't care. They got to be right. Like they've got to be right. And so she said, the bow has to cover the whole hood of the car. And if you were like, I remember that episode watching it. Did you watch that episode? I did, but I don't remember the size of the bows. I I remember. It's funny. I have the size of the bows in my head. Like I remember like, I remember thinking those bows are huge. (laughs) (laughs) And I think like that was such a worth it nitpick that she had. But I think a lot of times when, when we're doing our writing, we think like, we don't have the, like Oprah had these years of experience of knowing what was important to her and what mm-hmm. wasn't. Sometimes we haven't, we have to build that up of knowing like, well, is this bow too small? I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe it's fine. The bow's fine, you know? And so we've, we don't have the confidence to say like, no, I need to stop doing it this way. Mm. I need to listen to that little, it, sometimes it's just a quick flash that comes and you think like, this isn't right. And, but we ignore it because we, we don't trust that yet in ourselves. And I think that like, we're afraid to, because people have already done the work of wrapping up the cars. And so we're afraid to say, no, no, we got to stop this and we need to do it the way that fits in the vision. Now, obviously there, the metaphor, the analogy breaks down at a certain point with this whole thing that we're talking about. But I guess when I just think about when you move forward and you want to, you want to do something, have a vision for something that sometimes we are afraid to pivot because of the cost that it will be. But I think we have to trust ourselves to know that the end result, like we want the end result to be a certain thing. And it's okay to like make changes along the way. When I was writing A Million Little Ways, I've talked about this before, but like I knew in my head that book existed somewhere in the world (laughs) of my imagination. I wasn't fully confident I was gonna get there. And that was really terrifying because I'd already been paid to write it. But when I turned it in and I gave it to my editor, I still kind of knew it's not quite there. And I'm really hoping that she can tell oh, I me remember this. that it's not quite there. And she did. And she told me it wasn't there. And mm-hmm. like, we already had a cover for mm-hmm. this book, right? Like, tell me that that's not scary. So clearly like there was still a pivot, there was a pivot that needed to happen. There were some transitions and they were, some were small and some were huge. Like there were almost 15,000 words that I just took out of that book. But like, there was a part of me that, let's say I was self-publishing that book. I knew it wasn't right. I could have went forward and just done it. Because I didn't, maybe I didn't trust yet that it was okay to listen to that and say, it's worth waiting for the right book 
rather than just moving forward and getting it done because it's scary to change. I don't know if that makes sense. And it ended up being better. Like it was so much better. But I, of course, I had her as a partner you had to tell help, me. You had help in the judgment. So yeah. sometimes you don't have the judgment that, say, for example, Oprah had. That Oprah the, had. When the bows weren't the right size. Right. Because she had, what, 20 years before that? Yeah. yeah. She had a lot of experience up to that point. Okay. And if she had done that five years in, she would have probably kept the bows little. Of course, she right. wouldn't have been giving she away cars. She knew to say the bows need to be bigger because she had two small bows on something else She's in probably a different done it way before. In the past. Yeah. And regretted it. Right. Hmm. Right. So you've had to pivot. Yeah. Because you had this book you were working on and it was getting close to done. And then you realize, wait a second, I just got to shift it a little bit. It was done. It was done. It, it was first draft done. Okay. Yeah. I think a really hard part is when you get so close to being almost done that you just think, should I finish it or should I restart it or change it? And that can be really frustrating. And scary. Scary. Because you start to question yourself. You start to ask bigger questions. Like, am I even, do I even have something to say? Is anybody going to read it anyway? Talk us through that. Because I I think that's something a lot of our listeners really struggle with is, what is my message? And then they kind of go, well, if this message isn't working, maybe I should share about this. And maybe they get uh, some MLM or something, right? And so now they start sharing a message for somebody to buy something from them. And they're like, what did you say? What's MLM? Selling essential oils. Yeah, (laughs) multi-level marketing (laughs) or or other stuff. Um, But I think that happens. It's like, you, you know, you have a message, you start your blog, you start sharing your message. And then like the book, the third book proposal you sent, the publisher still doesn't want to publish it. So maybe I'm just writing about the wrong stuff. Or maybe because now I have some people on my email list, I should start selling this thing over here. And it just doesn't feel like it fits you anymore. And so I think pivoting is part of the natural evolution of yourself as a writer. Yeah, I think right? so too. Sure. Yeah. But it can be really discouraging. This is what I'm getting at. I think we're saying to you listening to us right now in your <laughs> kitchen, we have been there. We have boxes of ideas that oh, never made it past our journals. Right, or you should it, tell them what they are. Oh, so many good ones. <laughs> Remember that when you just said I spent, finish yes. that sentence in a second. Oh, no, but I was gonna say there is a big difference though between feeling like you need to pivot or transition and then just the regular creative process of hating everything that you write. Yeah, like there is a there is underbelly yeah. that one's has to internal happen. and one's external. Yeah, maybe. like if something's not working on the outside, that's one thing. But sometimes you can't even get there because you're so tortured on the inside because you're like, I hate everything. And I just wrote a whole book about it. Mm-hmm. And like, that's normal. Like, everyone who's ever written anything hates it before they turn it in. So just yeah. be encouraged. That's right. <laughs> you're going to hate Don't your you work. Don't you want to do this? Don't you want to be a writer? It's so awesomely worse, the worst. But then there's this other piece of, like you said, I think that's a different thing. If you've turned in three book proposals and the publishers keep saying no, mm-hmm. you might, it might be that you, it's not that you're writing about the wrong subject. I mean, there's been 10 million books on prayer. People are still publishing books on prayer. Right. Why? It's not because it's about prayer. It's because of their slant. It's because of their angle. The angle, it's their yeah. camera lens. Yes, right. And so it could be a camera lens issue or perspective issue. It's not really a topic issue necessarily. Mm. Could be. The part that I, I see people skipping, and this is where they get in trouble, is validating their idea. Like, do people actually want to read about that topic? Do they actually want to buy that course? Do they want to get a book on that? Which includes your angle and your camera angle on it, right? All of that. Yeah. And I think it's something we don't we don't talk about a lot. I've gotten close to like being like punched in the parking lot for at like a at like a conference or whatever. <laughs> and the reason for that is because I ask a very simple question, but it's so offensive, which is they hand me a self-published book and they're like, I'm looking for a publisher, and they give me this book, and I say, well, would anyone want to read that? 
And I'm asking it with a smile on my face. Sure. Like I'm trying to be nice and I'm, and I'm just asking like, would, would somebody want to read it? But by the time they come to me, they're so invested in the book. Mm-hmm. They've, and they're starting to ignore the, the data of no one's reading it. Nobody's buying it. I have a hundred friends and none of them bought it. And so my answer to them is maybe it's time to pivot. Maybe it's time to re-edit it like you did with A Million Little Ways because you had an editor that was validating. Like this was a person that's experienced. Oprah's experience was what was validating the decision of how big the bow should be. And, and I think when we start out, we don't have anybody in our life who can give us the, the validation of the idea, not of ourselves, but of the idea. And that's we skip over that hard work. And so then we think the hard work is writing the book, but then we write a book that nobody wants. And that's really hard. And at that point, you decide... Am I going to keep trying to be a writer and kind of move to the next idea? Or am I just going to give up because it's so frustrating? We can all write books all the day long. But if you want someone to read the book, then right. this is the thing you have to worry about. Oh, well, don't could, we want people to read a book? Yeah. 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 But there could be something right there. But yes. you've just taken maybe uh, an angle that is not something that's engaging other people. It's just engaging you. Yes. But it's actually, Ugh. if you can turn it around and put yourself in the reader's shoes and mm-hmm. what questions are they asking? What are they looking for? Where, what are they? How are they hurting in a way that I can help them Yeah. instead of just about a topic. I think we've said that before, like, are you writing about something or are you writing for someone? And if you're writing for someone, that opens up a whole bunch of questions like, well, what someone are you writing for? How do they feel? What do they want? How are you going to help them? How are they going to be different after they read your book? That's a different approach than writing about a topic and putting the knowledge that you have down on it. And so that would be sad if you had knowledge on a topic. You could write about it, but you actually weren't writing it for someone and they weren't really getting out of it what you want them to get out of it. How, how many times have you guys had to pivot in what you do? Or did your first idea work out and everything was butterflies and rainbows? I feel like I'm in a constant state of small pivot, of evaluating and doing little change. Yeah. And I, that's why I don't want to announce something right at the start, because mm. I want to experiment with it quietly before I write the book, you know? Yes. You want to do it small. Do you do that with confidence when you're doing that? Um, Are you afraid when it, you're no, doing that? No, it's just kind of fun. Okay. It's just a fun, you get, that's what's so great it's about the internet. It's the creative process, too. Mm-hmm. Are yeah. You, are you thinking, will this work when you're thinking that? Or are you thinking? I think I just want to try it. And see if it resonates or see if it's fun for me or not that everything's fun, but that, you know, we get to choose if we do something we enjoy or write about something that's drudgery. Why not choose the fun one? But also, I think there's something to be said about just take the next tiniest step and see how you feel. Yes, I think we have an epidemic of book worship in our area of like in writers, because I think that a lot of times we say that if you're a writer then writing a book is the ultimate end goal. And maybe in some ways that is true. And I, like, I've written books, so of course that's important. And I'm glad to do it, and I hope to write more. But you can still be a writer without writing a book, and you can still serve a reader without a book. Because, mm. of, I mean, the internet, for one thing, makes that possible. Mm-hmm. So I just think that if we think that a book is the end all and the be all, then we might end up being really frustrated writers and constantly feel like a failure mm. because our measure of success is a published book. Even though you're writing well and even though people are reading it and really getting a lot out of it. Right. It's not in a book form. Yeah, I think it's so really you feel important. Less. First, we have to figure out, well, what's the gift I have to offer? Yeah. Before you figure out, how am I going to wrap that gift? Your gift might fit really well in the 
wrapping of a book. But maybe your gift is actually a live event, or maybe your gift is actually a series of blog posts, or maybe your gift is a Bible study. I don't know what your gift is, but if you don't know what the gift is, don't try to wrap up an empty box because that's, I think that's what a lot of us think like, oh, I'm a writer, but then I'm going to write a book, but I could never write a book. So then therefore you say, well, I must not be a writer. But like, like Michael and said, it's, if you just take that next, do the next right thing, like the next tiny step might be just exploring this idea more and and seeing if it resonates Mm. and, you know, sort of, just moving to the next thing instead of thinking that like, oh, I'm a writer. Well, then my next thing is a book. I must write a book. Like, I, you know, maybe, but probably not yet. Wouldn't it be sad too if you were a writer and you were real good and you had and good at what you did and people got a lot out of it, but you were never, but you never were able to really. You weren't the kind of writer that wrote fifty to seventy-five thousand words on one main subject. You just don't have that much to say about something. So that would be a book, right? But boy, you can write 15,000 words on something and say everything that you have to say, and it's really great, and and people love it. But it's not going to probably be a book, because a book has to be a certain size just for the economic logistics of something, right? If it's going to have a cover, and they're going to ship it, and it's going to have a certain amount of pages in it, it's just going to have to have a certain amount of words in it, and you don't have that in you. Does that mean you're not a writer because you can only write things in five to 10 to 15,000 words and be really effective and really help people, but it's not a book? You would hate to feel really bad if you didn't write a book, even though you were still being really effective yeah, with people. I would people. hate to feel really bad. Yeah, you would hate to. No one likes feeling bad. No one likes feeling bad. No, bad, bad. Feeling bad is bad. Well, I, th- I think what happens a lot is we'll skip the hard work of doing the blog and validating it. And like, I write the blog post and like, did that connect? Did that resonate? Oh, and then write another blog post and like trying out our art in public, you know? Yes. And then what, what, so I'll see this a lot with our Hope Writer members and then with people we meet in conferences is they'll do all of the work of the book without any of the feedback of the audience. Yes. If you do the work of the book without feedback of the audience and you feel like it's not connecting and you need to pivot, it's because you're, you have these, you haven't gotten any feedback. So now you're all the way down like this path and you're like, how did I end up over here? But getting feedback from your audience helps you make those small the pivots. The small pivots first. Mm-hmm. And Each, then you avoid the large mm-hmm. pivot. It yeah. really helps. I know we send a lot of emails and I know from our emails, hey, this one didn't get opened as much as this one. Well, that's a tiny pivot. The next time I write an email, mm-hmm. I'm going to shift it a little bit. But if I waited and I only sent one email a year, right. you know, I'd be so frustrated because or it wouldn't connect. If you had blinders on and didn't pay attention, whoa. <laughs> Because it starts with, like you said, a post, and then then Mm -hmm. do a tweet. And then you pay attention. And then, yep, and then do a hashtag. You know, all of those, I had a million different things. Like, I would love to talk about beauty hunting. I love that, but no one cares about beauty hunting. But I'm like, I'm a beauty hunter. (laughs) Hashtag beauty hunters. Nobody cares. That's fine. (laughs) I'm going to choose to do the thing that people care about because that's more fun. Right, and you want to pay your bills. I want to pay my bills, and I want to be able to write stuff. So, cozy minimalist. Okay. Right. It works. People like that one. We'll do that. Right. Let's just choose that. It's still stuff you like. 1,000 thrifts. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. I think it's hilarious. Nobody cares. They should care about that. That's so funny. That's such a great... Sean Isn't Grove that... started that, yeah. but I latched on to it. Yeah, you got that one. And the way we picked Cozy Minimalist is because you had used that in a blog title. I had written a post. And I looked at your Google Analytics, oh, and that was one of your... got a ton of comments. Mm-hmm. You got a ton of comments, and it was one of your most popular blog posts. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as we said the name, people resonated mm-hmm. with it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think it was a sticky, like that message yeah. stuck, and yeah. people mm-hmm. remembered it. We never got emails and they said, 
and they and they misnamed it. They remembered the name. That's right. So true. I never thought about that. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. So, that's when you know. That's when that you know. Is really true. And so if if you don't know, if you're listening right now and you're like, I don't have my cozy minimalist. I don't have my million little ways. I don't really know what my thing is. I think the answer is try it out, right? Mm-hmm. Try it out in public. Post mm-hmm. it on Facebook and see if people comment. Put it on your blog and see what happens. And don't be afraid to pivot. Don't be afraid to shift it around a little bit because it takes you a little while to figure out your people and your message. Pivoting is evidence of humanity. And it's evidence that you're relating with people. Someone asked me the other day, do you ever wish that you could be like, you know, Hemingway or whoever it was who used to just be able to write? And she even says, she's an agent that I was talking with. And she said, yeah, I just picture like, you know, this vast woods and then you just see a hand come out from the woods with a manuscript. You know, like, here it is. Okay, here you go, little shit. <laughs> back Here's to the my, woods. Right, and I'm back in the woods. And I was like, no, I would hate that, even though I would love that in some ways. I would love the, like, solitude and just being able to Go write. off and write. Yeah, yeah. but um, I love that we have access to our reader right now at any minute. And that that makes it so we make these small transitions all the time. I feel like I'm pivoting, like, weekly sort of just a little tweak here a little tweak there but that saves you from writing a book that no one wants to read mm-hmm. or that won't sell and it's always a balance between what i what's important to me and what's important to them yes it's not all what's important to me and no. it's not all what they want to hear right. it's like where do, where do those two circles overlap mm-hmm. and that's the sweet spot that you get to focus on yeah so you could get real frustrated if you told yourself i think I'm, i want to write a book i've always wanted to write a book and you approached it from that way and you're not really thinking of what the message is or who the book's for or how they might take it. You just like the idea of writing a book, and so you think of things you're interested in, and you start writing the book. That could get really sad for you later on, it seems like. <laughs> and, and that's why a publisher, so if you're, if you're a first-time author and you're frustrated that a publisher's not picking up your book because they want a platform and they want people that follow you, what a publisher's doing is they're saying, I don't want to take 100% of the risk of this message because I don't know if this message is going to connect. So if you have a certain number of blog followers and email subscribers and Instagram followers, I know that this message is connecting with at least some people. With at least them, right. Yes. And so if you're trying to get your book done before you've written your blog, that's probably in the wrong order and you might really need to do a pivot. So just start small, start where you are and then kind of build in that feedback as part of your process. Although there can be times, though, when someone just has, they have this message inside them, and it's just awesome. It's an awesome book. It's a great idea. You don't have a blog. You haven't, and you, I mean, that's how books used to get published, because there was no internet or blog, right? Right. But not anymore. Right. Not anymore. But I'm just saying that can still happen, where someone just has this awesome message, and it's going to come out as a book, and it's really going to be really good. But that's probably the exception, and probably you would not want to be the person to say, oh, yeah, that's me. You wouldn't right. want to. You would want to do it. I think how Brian just said. You want to be engaging people in the early stages. Don't automatically think, "Yeah, I'm the exception. I can go ahead and write the book, and I'll be like Margaret Mitchell." Yeah, that key. What you said, where those two things intersect, as far as what resonates with my reader and also what resonates with me, is so important because it's because it's really hard when you realize that something you are halfway interested in resonates <laughs> deeply with your reader, and then you realize, oh, that that that's really resonating with them and they really want to read that and that's going well but you lose steam on that pretty quickly that's a miserable writing life Hmm. so you don't want to do that and the other way too and the other way like you're super you mean if you're super excited about something but the people yeah just like like how could you thrifts how could you not like this everyone should like this right 
That's yeah. not a real good good motivation to write something is that you think someone should be interested in it. Right. So it has to have more than just the like, is the reader resonating? There has to be more criteria that you go through. Mm-hmm. Because if that's your number one thing, you could end up having a job you hate that makes you a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And then you can't get out of it because now your lifestyle is based on this job that you hate that makes you a lot of money. And it happens. I mean, we know that happens yeah. to people. And you can't imagine them being unhappy, but they're unhappy. Yeah. there. I mean, there are well-known bloggers that you guys have all heard of that don't really like their audience because they started out somewhere, attracted an audience that they were maybe resonating with at a time, but now they've moved on and they've been learning new things, but their audience doesn't want to learn the new things. They want to learn the the first things. And it just gets you in a kind of a weird position where you know what works, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But it's not resonating with your heart and with your soul, but it might be with your audience. And when you make those little changes, if you do it right, people will complain. That's how you know you made it a change is that someone won't like it or they'll point at you You used to do it this way. That's not your style. Like that's if I don't get that sometimes then I'm like something is wrong because things need to evolve. This is life. We're humans. Things change. The online world changes. I'm changing. Mm -hmm. So of course everything I do should look different, you know, slowly over the years. I want it to. It's hard because um, like, for example, my, I had a first book. My first book came out in 2011. Well, my, my last book came out in 2015. And when that first book came out, I remember writing it so meticulously. In fact, when I turned that book in, my editor sent it directly to marketing because she said, there's wow. really not that much for me to do. Like, it's so finished that wow. I'm willing to let marketing look at it because we really just didn't have that much changes. Now, that did not happen with my subsequent books. Let me tell you, there's a lot of editing <laughs> yeah. happening the next. But I had a lot of time to put into that first book. But I was also super thinking that like, this is these words are going to last forever and it has to be exactly I have to be this person forever and I'll, granted I knew I was going to change but I wanted it to always represent forever what I've thought now I've learned that like I hope that's not the case I hope that every book I write is not that I don't agree with it 15 years from now like granted I don't job wanna, security I don't want to write false things <laughs> but like I think there was a time when I thought oh if I write it in a book that's such a big mm. deal that that I that it has to be true forever mm. and or it has to be representative of me yeah, forever it's not only locking the words in stone it's locking you in, me stone. in stone yeah but it doesn't really do that and it that. does and once you realize once i mean and, and if you can realize this before you write your first book you're better off than i was because once you realize that like if, if you write nonfiction, for example i think it can be true for fiction too i've heard people who write fiction say like oh my gosh i can't believe that first book sold you know and it was like their bestseller and then books after that you know so they're true. like but these stories are so much better but i think that once you realize that like oh i i get to be human and i get to like evolve and change and that's a good thing then you can write so much more fr- in such a more free way because you're just not bound by thinking like this has to be forever true isn't that forever a great, me isn't that a great way to think of it though so then you're you yourself are an adventure and how you're evolving and the adventure of what you're learning about what to write and how to connect with people and pivoting and all that that's also an adventure so you got like two adventures going on your own adventure of your inside self and the adventure that you're taking as you're writing and wanting to know what to write and how to connect with people i mean if you look at it that way that is really a fun that's a wonderful way to think about how to live and how to write and how to create and how to engage and yeah there's going to be failure and you're going to get frustrated but that's just going to be part of it so you keep on going and seeing how that can change because six months from now it can be really really different you can be way up right now and six months from now it can be different and if you're way in a hole right now six months from now you can be way up but we can just get so frustrated inside ourselves and so 
bothered and feel so bad about ourselves and feel like, oh, I'm doing everything wrong or I'm doing this wrong or I've made a bad decision. It's like if you just keep moving and be positive about it, good things can really end up happening. And probably everyone that good things have happened to, that's how they got there, by just keeping pushing on. And keep pivoting. Yeah, and keep pivoting. Um, Yesterday, Luke had like this pain in his neck. And so he's like, mommy, my... My, my neck hurts right here. So, so he's, I, he's like 19, right? He's, he's 10. <laughs> he calls me mommy. Mommy. He doesn't listen to this podcast, so it's okay if I say that. Oh my gosh. Mom, I have this pain. No. So he said, I have this pain in my neck. And so I go over and I feel where the pain is. But then in, intuitively, I go and feel the other side of his neck. God made us have like this, you know mirror image body so we can figure out which is what's normal and what's not normal like oh that arm hurts let's feel the other arm so but I said to him I was like well let me feel that he goes well that side doesn't hurt and I was like yeah yeah. but I gotta know the baseline normal because maybe you have weird bums on both sides of your neck and then I'll worry less I think as creatives we're always looking for the baseline like okay well what's normal well just tell me tell me the normal way this goes and then I'll just do that you know and so that's why pivoting and transitioning can feel crazy because once you feel like you found the way then Mm. you're scared to like transition because like but that was the baseline guess what there's no baseline there's no straight line it's all a circle like we're figuring this out as we go and I think that's when we finally embrace that part like this is part of the creative process then we can move forward with confidence of knowing that like most people don't feel confident and no one knows what they're doing we're figuring out and that's what makes it art and that's what makes it creativity and yeah there are some principles that you can follow but even those principles followed are going to look different for everybody so you know fill both sides of the neck (laughs) it's going to be okay that's right (laughs) that's good okay so you have something you wrote it resonated you tried to keep writing that thing and then that's not working anymore what do you do? You keep moving, right? <laughs> Either keep doing it or don't. Or don't do it anymore. Yeah. yeah. So how you do you decide? decide? You know, if it's not worth doing, don't do it. And right. you get to decide if it's worth you doing You get to decide if it's worth it. But that's the thing. People want someone else to tell them if it's worth it and or no, not. it's all... You have to d- decide on your own. You have to have that... You have to decide on your own. If you yeah. want someone to tell you it's worth it, go out and get a job and have a boss. That's right. right. But if you want to write a book, you oh. got to decide right. That's all that the stuff. the beauty of right. this. And the pain. Right. Or you could have a friend. <laughs> 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 Brian will give you a formula. I'll just get mad at you. We'll take a... a, a you need both. We'll take it all. You need right. both. Oh, yeah. Formula, this will be the right answer. The formula helps <laughs> you until you get to the other part, other place that you can be. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you can look at like what is actually working. <laughs> You go, buddy. Yes, do it. Say it. Okay, if you wrote 10 blog posts. Yeah, 10 blog let's posts. Let's do some math. I got and it. We need like a theme song, Math work. with Brian. Math with Brian. <laughs> if you wrote 10 blog posts and one of them had 10 comments and two of them had three comments and seven of them had zero comments, which one should you write more about? So that's tricky, though. Depends on when you posted it. Depends because on it depends on what the thing is. Because I've had people who really resonate with the thing so deeply that they won't comment because mm-hmm. they're crying mm-hmm. or but maybe they'll email they me see the keyboard. but i'll know see they're crying if they didn't comment. they'll email me and tell me or well you have you to also email, that's better shares. that counts as 10 comments oh okay well you didn't say that <laughs> one email equals 10 comments <laughs> got it got it if you write There's a blog a whole post <laughs> and ask people if they make their bed every day you'll get 500 answers yeah because that's a fun easy thing to leave a comment with right yeah. lighthearted, easy favorite right. tv show guess what my biggest instagram comments are Tell me a TV show to watch. Tell me a book to read. That's true. You need to write about that. The million comments. Right. But do I want to write about TV? You see? But 
But I get your point because right. it is yeah. an indicator mm-hmm. that you look at. Mm-hmm. Well, the answer would have been the two with the three. Oh. <laughs> Not the one with the ten. Uh-huh. Tell me The one more. with the ten is the TV thing. It's the thing. TV show to watch. <laughs> yes. Right. The one with the, the two with the three, is, it shows some consistency yeah, yeah, yeah. that people are resonating with that content. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. like it, It's called the 80-20 principle. People resonate with about 20% of what we write. What we need to do is kind of figure out what's actually resonating. Yeah. Right? You're right. And the comments is one way, but not the only way. That's right. Because people don't follow you for everything. They don't want to know your philosophy on every single thing in your entire world. What they if, really want to do only. is... Right? Yeah. They want to know. Okay, so Gary, you've got your book coming out. <laughs> he yeah. wishes people wanted to know. <laughs> they should. They but should want that. They want to know how to have a, a harmonious family yeah, from you, sure. a drama-free family oh, from sure. you. Uh-huh. But they don't might not want to know the history of the radio industry, right? Or uh, about the Stonewall Jackson's arm and where it's buried. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. See, right. Right. And you don't want. I'm interested in that. And but. Nestor, they, they want to know how to have a home they love with the stuff they have. I hope they want to know that. They want to know how to do your Instagram strategy because you've had good results there. They might want to know how to do some hospitality stuff from you. Yeah. But they might not really care about what kind of music you listen to. Yeah. It's, isn't, isn't, here, here, here's a formula. Uh, not a formula, a, a, a circle. It's like a Venn diagram then, right? Yep. So you have three circles. Uh, would you have three circles? Two. Two circles? It ends so, up being three. Okay, let's say two. Yep. One is where you're in, something you're interested in, Right. And then the other is what someone else is not just interested in, right. but uh, really looking for and wanting. And then it's going to overlap somewhere. But it is somewhere. three. Hmm? But the other one is the why you're doing it. Yeah, that's Yeah, good. okay. That's okay, good. I thought there was three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't. So well, then it makes one in the middle. So gotcha. That, yeah. So the place so where all right. three of them that's come your sweet together. Spot. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Your sweet spot is where your greatest passion and the world's greatest need meet. I would probably also put another circle and say where people will pay you. You know, and maybe another one like what brings you, what gives you life, and what inspires you. Another one, what's pretty? What's pretty? And <laughs> yeah, so when all like of those things meet, that's like your yeah. super sweet spot. Right. Like that's where you should thrive. But in our world, like we have to post a bunch of different things. But every once in a while, we really get to talk about our sweet spot. And listen, if you've had a blog for a year and you don't know what your sweet spot is, that's okay. Like it just, it I think that you yeah. need to remember. We need to always remember. Like I'm still figuring that out yeah. for myself, and I've done. I've had a blog for 11 years and I've been writing books for eight or whatever it is. And so, but it's still kind of figuring out who that reader is and still kind of figuring out like, oh, I actually really like helping people finish projects that matter. Did I know that five years ago? Right. No, I didn't mm-hmm. know that. Yep. But that's part of where my message is going to is like, you can finish projects that matter and you can do it without sacrificing your meaningful life. Well, but that's sort of a new thing. And that's a little pivot that I, but I wouldn't have known that if I wasn't like if I hadn't started writing a little bit on the blog about those types of things, and then I found a group of people who resonated with that, and then I created an offering for them. Mm-hmm. But, you know. You didn't go away and sit and think that through. That just, that it didn't come all, up with that, and then we come the out woods. of the gate with yes. a new course. It could only it's come like through slow, trial little, and, yes, yeah, trial and little error, things. And the other mm-hmm. stuff's still there, too. And I think we think, like, what's my one thing? And, like, you might have several of those collections of circles in some areas. I think it's all within an umbrella, but, mm. you know, I think. That that's okay. And also, uh, one other thing, too, because I can say this because I'm older, and that is that, like, in your mind, if you're 30 years old or 35 years old and something's taken you two or three years and it feels so long, I'm 65, I guarantee you two or three years is not very long. <laughs> and if, I, if you take five years before you get your book contract and you think that you sacrificed all those five years, you did sacrifice all those five years, but it can easily go 10, 20 30 but the advantage to that is if it does go 30 or 40 years everything going into that book 
is from the 30 or 40 years. And that can be <laughs> pretty right. rich content. That's true. <laughs> well, that's like any any first album is is usually the best album. Like if you think of like a singer, songwriter, musician, band, something like that. Your it's, whole life up yeah, to Yeah, it's them. because they've had their whole life up to that first album. Mm-hmm. And the sophomore album, the second album, is usually the worst one if you look at their overall catalog. Because like they ran out of ideas and they're touring, but they have to get an album out. And so yeah. there's a pressure of getting an album out. And then usually it's the third album where they finally have some time. Maybe they got dropped by their record label. They've been doing some reflection. They've had some failure. Yeah. Yes. And that's when they really, and then, and then they either get it or they they don't and so that's why you see a lot of bands that three plus albums or they give mm. up after two emily you said something once okay this is kind of about pivoting but it's more about how like transitions i don't know it was an aha moment for me all authors do this i'm sure and right. I'm an clearly idiot. it was aha it changed your life didn't it <laughs> yes what it was is that every every next book started as a chapter in your book before that oh that is true oh. and that has helped me when I think about doing classes, when I think, because it helps me remember, like I can take a little part of what I did and grow that instead of now I have to clear the slate and come up with a brand new thing. Like, and you've written four books yeah, and probably your next book. It's not that on purpose. My next book is there's a hint to it. And that's helped me so much in all of my work, not just like let my book writing, but in my classes and everything. I really like that. I think that's such a natural way to pivot. If you want to say it that, but that's just, just like grow, grow. Yeah, that's yeah. just a normal way to do things. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, each book has a something. And then you're like, oh, that's a whole book, and then you realize I wrote about this, but then oh, that's mm-hmm. a whole book, and you know, you might not know it at the time. Right now, it's just it's just a subheading in one chapter of a book, but then you realize. And I think that if you look at some of your favorite books, authors who have written a, a book after your favorite book, you can see that mm. happening in their books. Interesting. Too. When I turned in. Um, um, Grace for the Good Girl was my first book, and I turned it in. I told you they didn't have a ton of edits. I mean, it was they edited, but it was it was pol- pretty polished. And then my second book, and but I turned my second book in, but I had not gotten edits back yet. But I saw my marketing director at a conference, so I knew my book was turned in, but I didn't ha- have any feedback yet. And of course, I'm, on, I'm like. <laughs> They're not going to need to edit it very much because my first book was so good. <laughs> need that many edits. <laughs> and so I saw her and I was like, you know, we had gotten into conversation. She goes, yeah, um, you know, your editor told me they got your book. And I'm like, really? How was it? You know? And she's like, yeah, the, you know, you've got some work to do. Like she, the marketing director's telling me, you've got some work to do. Yeah. Congratulations. Now you're an author. Because hmm. basically, like, first time around... Yeah. I wasn't really an author yet. That didn't count, you know. Like you haven't paid the it, price. The I haven't paid the price. The now I'm having editing, to like the pain, the pain, and like yeah. the oh now now your second book you're still promoting your first book when you were writing your second book, yeah. and you now you're you have a job mm. now. Now you're not just sitting in a hole, you know, like writing your book with your whole ten years of experience behind you. And it's exactly like what you said, Brian. It hit that third second third book. It was like oh now I'm just got to pull this out of the last year of mm-hmm. my life growing and experience. I already did the whole first 20, you know, or whatever. So yeah. that's real. That's a real thing. You see that with like American Idol or The Voice or whatever, like that whole idea, like we're waiting to get discovered and we write the one thing or they sing the one song and it's like everybody loves them. But then they have to figure out how that's to put it. an album together, uh-huh. you know, so it just dies. You know, the majority of those people, like it just goes away. Mm-hmm. And I think if you want a sustainable career as a writer, like really listening to your audience and writing consistently and getting feedback and learning what works and what doesn't um, really can help you in, in the longevity. And I think pivoting, as we've talked about, pivoting is just part of the natural process. Totally. Yeah, it's not like an extra thing that you should try. Right. It's just like if you're not pivoting, if you're not doing it. You're, that's maybe the you're not doing 
doing the work fully. Mm-hmm. That's right. It hurts sometimes, though, man. Well, I hope the idea of pivoting is encouraging to you. You don't have to pivot alone, though, you know. There's a whole community of writers on the same journey you are inside Hope Writers. You can join Hope Writers right now for just $1 for a week at hopewriters.com slash trial. It's the next best thing to your own personal writing mentor. Go inside Hope Writers right now for $1 for a week at hopewriters.com slash trial. We'd love to see you sharing in the Hope Writer Facebook group inside Hope Writers. That Facebook group, a super community where you ask questions, make friends, and get encouragement. Go inside Hope Writers now a week for $1. Just go to hopewriters.com slash trial. In the next episode of the Hope Writer Podcast, once you do the writing, you want someone to read it. And in the case of a book, self-published or traditionally published, you do a book launch. But how? Well, check out Book Launch Secrets, the next episode of the Hope Writer Podcast. And some final words of hope from writer Jay Samet. Pivoting is the beginning of the next leg of your journey. Thanks for listening.